This is day 95 of our daily Bible reading. We will be completing Job chapters 35 through 39. Lord Heavenly Father, thank you so much for saving us. Thank you for this creation that you've given us and giving us dominion over it. We just thank you, Lord, for blessing us so abundantly. How we just take it all for granted, and we're so spoiled, Lord. We thank you for spoiling us and loving us so much to just lavish us with your affections. So that we may be responsible with this world that you've given us, and that we will be responsible with the knowledge that we have of you, that it should shape us with your fear, Lord. Fearing you in awe and respect and ever in reverence and all things, and that we may do what is right in your sight. Please bless the reading of your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Then Elihu continued and said, Do you think this is according to justice? Do you say, My righteousness is more than God's? For you say, What advantage will it be to you? What profit will I have more than if I had sinned? I will answer you and your friends with you. Look at the heavens and see, and behold the clouds, they are higher than you. If you have sinned, what do you accomplish against him? And if your transgressions are many, what do you do to him? If you are righteous, what do you give to him? Or what does he receive from your hand? Your wickedness is for a man like yourself, and your righteousness is for a son of man. Because of the multitude of oppressions, they cry out. They cry for help because of the arm of the mighty. But no one says, Where is God my maker, who gives songs in the night? who teaches us more than the beasts of the earth, and makes us wiser than the birds of the heavens? There they cry out, but he does not answer, because of the pride of evil men. Surely God will not listen to an empty cry, nor will the Almighty regard it. How much less, when you say you do not behold him, the case is before him, and you must wait for him. And now, because he has not visited in his anger, nor has he acknowledged transgression well. So Job opens his mouth emptily, and he multiplies words without knowledge. Then Elihu continued and said, Wait for me a little, and I will show you that there is yet more to be said in God's behalf. I will fetch my knowledge from afar, and I will ascribe righteousness to my Maker. For truly my words are not false. One who is perfect in knowledge is with you. Behold, God is mighty, but does not despise any. He is mighty in strength of understanding. He does not keep the wicked alive, but gives justice to the afflicted. He does not withdraw his eyes from the righteous, but with kings on the throne. He has seated them forever, and they are exalted. And if they are bound in fetters, and are caught in the cords of affliction, then he declares to them their work, and their transgressions, that they have magnified themselves. He opens their ear to instruction, and commands that they return from evil. If they hear and serve him, they will end their days in prosperity, and their years in pleasures. But if they do not hear, they shall perish by the sword, and they will die without knowledge. But the godless in heart lay up anger, 
They do not cry for help when he binds them. They die in youth, and their life perishes among the cult prostitutes. He delivers the afflicted in their affliction, and opens their ear in time of oppression. Then, indeed, he enticed you from the mouth of distress. Instead of it, a broad place with no constraint, and that which was set on your table was full of fatness. But you were full of judgment on the wicked. Judgment and justice take hold of you. Beware that wrath does not entice you to scoffing, and do not let the greatness of the ransom turn you aside. Will your riches keep you from distress, or all the forces of your strength? Do not long for the night, when people vanish in their place. Be careful. Do not turn to evil, for you have preferred this to affliction. Behold, God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? Who has appointed him his way, or has said, You have done wrong? Remember that you should exalt his work, of which men have sung. All men have seen it. Man beholds from afar. Behold, God is exalted, and we do not know him. The number of his years is unsearchable. For he draws up the drops of water. They distill rain from the mist. Which the clouds pour down, they drip upon man abundantly. Can anyone understand the spreading of the clouds, the thundering of his pavilion? Behold, he spreads his lightning about him, and he covers the depths of the sea. For by these he judges people. He gives food in abundance. He covers his hands with the lightning, and commands it to strike the mark. Its noise declares his presence, the cattle also, concerning what is coming up. At this also my heart trembles, and leaps from its place. Listen closely to the thunder of his voice, and the rumbling that goes out from his mouth. Under the whole heaven he lets it loose, and his lightning to the ends of the earth. After it a voice roars, he thunders with his majestic voice, and he does not restrain the lightnings when his voice is heard. God thunders with his voice wondrously, doing great things which we cannot comprehend. For to the snow, he says, fall on the earth, and to the downpour and the rain, be strong. He seals the hand of every man, that all men may know his work. Then the beast goes into its lair and remains in its den. Out of the south comes the storm, and out of the north the cold. From the breath of God ice is made, and the expanse of the waters is frozen. Also with moisture he loads the thick cloud. He disperses the cloud of his lightning. It changes direction, turning around by his guidance, that it may do whatever he commands it on the face of the inhabited earth. Whether for correction, or for his world, or for loving-kindness, he causes it to happen. Listen to this, O Job. Stand and consider the wonders of God. Do you know how God establishes them, and makes the lightning of his cloud to shine? Do you know about the layers of the thick clouds, the wonders of one perfect in knowledge, you whose garments are hot when the land is still because of the south wind? 
Can you, with him, spread out the skies, strong as a molten mirror? Teach us what we shall say to him. We cannot arrange our case because of darkness. Shall it be told him that I would speak? Or should a man say that he would be swallowed up? Now, men do not see the light which is bright in the skies, but the wind has passed and cleared them. Out of the north comes golden splendor. Around God is awesome majesty. The Almighty, we cannot find him. He is exalted in power, and he will not do violence to justice and abundant righteousness. Therefore, men fear him. He does not regard any who are wise of heart. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who set its measurements, since you know? Or who stretched the line on it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who enclosed the sea with doors, when, bursting forth, it went out from the womb? When I made a cloud its garment, and thick darkness its swaddling band, and I placed boundaries on it, and set a bolt and doors. And I said, Thus far you shall come, but no farther, and here shall your proud waves stop. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning, and caused the dawn to know its place, that it may take hold of the ends of the earth, and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under the seal, and they stand forth like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld, and the uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea, or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you, or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you understood the expanse of the earth? Tell me, if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light and darkness? Where is its place? That you may take it to its territory, and that you may discern the paths to its home. You know, for you were born then, and the number of your days is great. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Or have you seen the storehouses of the hail, which I have reserved for the time of distress, for the day of war and battle? Where is the way that the light is divided, or the east wind scattered on the earth? Who has cleft a channel for the flood, or a way for the thunderbolt, to bring rain on a land without people, on a desert without a man in it, to satisfy the waste and desolate land, and to make the seeds of grass to sprout? Has the rain a father? Or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb has come the ice, and the frost of heaven? Who has given it birth? Water becomes hard like stone, and the surface of the deep is imprisoned. Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades, or loose the cords of Orion? 
Can you lead forth a constellation in its season, and guide the bear with her satellites? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens, or fix their rule over the earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds, so that an abundance of water will cover you? Can you send forth lightnings, that they may go and say to you, Here we are? Who has put wisdom in the innermost being, or given understanding to the mind? Who can count the clouds by wisdom, or tip the water jars of the heavens, when the dust hardens into a mass and the clods stick together? Can you hunt the prey for the lion, or satisfy the appetite of the young lions, when they crouch in their dens and lie in wait in their lair? Who prepares for the raven its nourishment, when its young cry to God, and wander about without food? Do you know the time the mountain goats give birth? Do you observe the calving of the deer? Can you count the months they fulfill, or do you know the time they give birth? They kneel down, they bring forth their young, they get rid of their labor pains. Their offspring become strong. They grow up in the open field. They leave and do not return to them. Who sent out the wild donkey free? And who loosed the bonds of the swift donkey, to whom I gave the wilderness for a home and the salt land for his dwelling place? He scorns the tumult of the city. The shoutings of the driver he does not hear. He explores the mountains for his pasture and searches after every green thing. Will the wild ox consent to serve you, or will he spend the night at your manger? Can you bind the wild ox in a furrow with ropes, or will he harrow the valleys after you? Will you trust him because his strength is great, and leave your labor to him? Will you have faith in him that he will return your grain and gather it from your threshing floor? The ostrich's wings flap joyously with the pinion and plumage of love, for she has abandoned her eggs to the earth and warms them in the dust, and she forgets that a foot may crush them, or that a wild beast may trample them. She treats her young cruelly, as if they were not hers. Though her labor may be in vain, she is unconcerned, because God has made her forget wisdom and has not given her a share of understanding. When she lifts herself on high, she laughs at the horse and his rider. Do you give the horse his might? Do you clothe his neck with a mane? Do you make him leap like the locust? His majestic snorting is terrible. He paws in the valley and rejoices in his strength. He goes out to meet the weapons. He laughs at fear and is not dismayed, and he does not turn back from the sword. The quiver rattles against him, the flashing spear and javelin. With shaking and rage, he races over the ground, and he does not stand still at the voice of the trumpet. As often as the trumpet sounds, he says, Aha! And he scents the battle from afar, and the thunder of the captains and of the war cry. Is it by your understanding that the hawk soars, stretching his wings toward the south? Is it at your command that the eagle mounts up and makes his nest on high? On the cliff 
he dwells and lodges upon the rocky crag, an inaccessible place. From there he spies out food. His eyes see it from afar. His young ones also suck up blood, and where the slain are, there is he. Okay, so we had a huge turning point today, and I'm excited to get to that, but before we do, let's go through what Elihu said in the last couple of chapters he did. So he starts off in chapter 35 by complaining about what Job said, that godliness profits a man nothing, and that sense of injustice that God has on the earth, and that is so wrong to think, because he's so wrong in saying that, and it's so short-sighted. Now, I'm not saying it as somebody who thinks he can do better, let me be clear, because in the amount of misery he went through, I probably would not hold on to my fortitude like he did. So, I say that as somebody who's a spectator, that this could have been better for him if he did not just blame God, and basically, he did what his wife said. Job, in some ways, cursed God and wanted to die. But Elihu is giving him some truth here. Not completely all true, but this part so far has been correct. Then he goes down to say that uh, God is way too lofty to be affected by humans. And that is so true as well. He doesn't need us, right? We've talked about that before. He doesn't need us. We can't hurt him in any way. We can't affect him in any way. We're about to go into the Psalms, and we're going to read Psalm chapter 2, and that's going to tell us right there that God laughs at people's attempts at hurting him. And if we try to intentionally hurt him, it doesn't do anything. Even if we unintentionally hurt him, or try to, it won't do anything. He definitely has standards, yes, but we can't injure him or hurt his feelings in some way. He's way beyond that. And so he is correct in saying that we, in our godliness or ungodliness, we only hurt ourselves and the people around us. It doesn't hurt God. So he's very correct in saying that. Now, in the second half of chapter 35, he states that his belief that unanswered prayers, even that of a righteous man, is due to a lack of faith. So, is he correct in that? This one, it's no. He's not correct, right? Because God doesn't have to answer our prayers. He's much more inclined to answer our prayers if we are aligning to his will, since he cannot deny himself. But just because he doesn't answer you doesn't mean that he's not listening, right? We know that to be true, because God has his unique timing for things. So, we don't want to immediately jump to the conclusion that just because prayers are not being answered... You know, imagine, like, a wife, right? If she marries a non-Christian husband, and she has diligently prayed for months and years for this man to get saved. She can have as much faith as she wants to have that come true... God is loving the fact that she is petitioning to him for her husband's salvation. And God listens to the voice of the righteous. Not that we command him in any way, but it aligns with his will. And when it aligns with his will, it happens. 
So we don't want to say that all prayers go unanswered because of a lack of faith, and that's not correct. Sometimes God will not answer, or he'll say to wait. And it's not always a yes or a no. So we have to be careful not to think that way. Then chapter 36 is where he is defending God's character. And I think this is a beautiful picture here, that God is far greater than Job is saying, and he urges Job to recognize God's purpose in this suffering, that it's happening for a reason. And instead of condemning what God is doing, to exalt him even more, as if to remind him, remember what you said at the beginning? Naked I came into the world, naked I will return. The Lord gives and takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What happened to that, Job? It's almost as if he's reminding him about that. He reminds Job in verse 9 through 12 of what happens to the godly and what happens to the ungodly, right? He declares to them their work and their transgressions that they have magnified themselves. So we sin against God and we lift our own egos up in pride and we make ourselves very obvious in our sins. He opens their ear to instruction and commands that they return from evil. So he has done so in his word, and those that are his elect will also be called by the Holy Spirit to repent and be transformed. And that is something that is not resistible. If they hear and serve him, then they will end their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. But if they do not hear, they will perish by the sword and they will die without knowledge. So, that's very true, that there is a fate, a unique fate, for both the godly and the ungodly. Things will go well for the godly overall, but for the ungodly, they will get what's coming to them. And he just reminds Job to exalt the Lord in everything. That way, he gets the right posture of heart and humbles himself before his presence. And I thought it was pretty neat that at the very end of chapter 36 and through part of 37, he describes the water cycle. Did you see that? Beginning in like verse 26, he talks about how God is exalted. We do not know him. We're not even capable of knowing him, really, the way that he knows himself. And the number of his years is unsearchable. He's immortal. He's eternal. And then he describes the water cycle, the cycle of evaporation and precipitation and, and all that. And then you even see this part here, which makes me believe that um, in chapter 37, he says, From the breath of God, ice is made, and the expanse of the waters is frozen, a large body of water frozen. I personally believe, and this is not, this is what I'm extrapolating from the text, but I personally believe that there was a real ice age that occurred after the flood. And I think that it was around this time period. I think there was really an ice age shortly after the flood. It doesn't really say that, but you see it sprinkled and hinted at throughout the Old Testament. And so it makes you wonder if it was indeed true. So I personally think that the ice age was a real thing. It didn't happen 12,000 years ago, like scientists will say, 
but I do think that it did happen as the result of the global flood. And he, it's almost as if he's outlining it here. So he tells him to turn from his ways, and at the end, as usual, declares that he is unrighteous. And that is his final conclusion of Job. So Elihu is the closest that any of the men have gotten so far to being correct about Job and being correct about God. But they all fall short. And so we see God in chapter 38 step in himself. And man, oh man, do I get chills every time I read that couple of verses here, verses 2 and 3. As you can imagine, a tornado is standing in front of you saying, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now gird up your loins like a man. Prepare yourself and man up, and I will ask you and you instruct me. Oh, you think you've got this all figured out, Job? All right. Since you know better than me, you tell me what to do. And then you see just one after another, after another, after another, God just rapid fire asking him questions that are just showing how great God is and how much higher he is than Job's ignorance. You know, where were you when I created the earth? You Surely you know Tell me if you have understanding. Where were you? You apparently seem to know everything, so were you here when I created everything? What are the dimensions of the earth? What are the measurements? Well, since you know, right? Where were you when the angels were singing at the creation of the world? Were you there? And you just see him go on and on and on, just showing how amazing he is, and just stuff way beyond our comprehension. But not only that, but there's also things here that science did not discover these things, even though they were in the Bible. You know how it is. People don't tend to listen to the Bible unless you're saved, right? So things like in verse 16, Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Springs of the sea, almost like rivers in the ocean. They are real. And we did not discover them for ourselves until the 1970s. But God declared it thousands of years ago that there are springs in the sea. And there it is. Of course God does, because he created everything. Of course he knows. And then you see again in verses 29 and 30, where you see almost like the Ice Age being described here again. And then you see he's talking about the constellations, and does Job determine the movement of the constellations and the heavens? So, I mean, you just see all this stuff just putting Job in his place. So, it's amazing to see all these things that God has to say to him. And he's not done. He's only done half of it. So, all of these concepts are far greater than Job knows. And he hasn't said anything yet, but he was put in his place. And Job is going to say something, and he's going to be so embarrassed. But he is going to submit to the Lord as is proper. So, we have one more day with Job before we go into the Psalms. So, let's enjoy it, and then we will enter into the Psalms tomorrow. So, very exciting. It's good to go through the hymn book of the Bible.
But we're not done with Job yet. God still has plenty more things to say to him. And then we'll make our own opinions tomorrow about what we think is being talked about. I look forward to that discussion. But until then, thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.